0: Hey Phantomaniacs, welcome to the newest episode of the Needless Things Podcast, where we talk about toys, movies, music, and all manner of pop culture, dorkery. I'm your host, Dave, and I'm sad to report that on the way home from work today, I stopped at Walmart. Now, not just for a toy hunt, because I need I'm working, I'm still going into work, so there are things that I need for work, snacks, food, uh, whatever. And, and also, you know, always kind of keeping an eye out for toilet paper or gloves or whatever, uh, some of the essentials. So I needed to make a stop today and I wanted to run in and obviously also check out and see if they had any of the retro Star Wars figures. I still need Boba Fett. Uh, and, and if you haven't, by the way, Go to the Needless Things podcast YouTube page and check out the unboxings I've been doing over there. There are three up right now, I think the most recent of which is the Star Wars Black Series Boba Fett helmet. Uh, I give it a full review and I compare it to the, I think, 2011 Boba Fett helmet which is much more of a toy than than a black series like prop replica type piece but I'm pretty proud of these videos I'm happy with the way that I'm doing them they're not the flashiest things you're going to see on YouTube but I do think they hit what I want them to hit in that my personality is in them but they are also informational Uh, most of them when I'm reviewing a figure you're not even going to see my face because I want the focus to be on the figure Uh, So I've got a camera pointing down at the table and I'm actually unboxing the figure right underneath the camera so you can see all of the detail, you can see the articulation. uh, Because to me, yeah, obviously I want to get out there, I want to be on a microphone, I want to be talking, but you're there for a figure review. You don't need to see my face. There's no reason whatsoever to see the face of the person unboxing or reviewing the figure. That's my opinion. If you don't agree with me, that's okay, but that's how I'm going to be doing these. Now, obviously, for a Boba Fett helmet, you do need, because the the helmet has to go on a head, and I try on both of those helmets, uh, and you can see how different the fit is on them. But uh, like I said, I'm I'm enjoying this little YouTube project that sort of started happening, uh, mostly at the prompting of Phantom Jr., who has always felt like I needed to get on YouTube. Uh, And it may not be exactly what you think unboxing videos or reviews are but it is very much the needless things way of of doing that which is more important to me so go subscribe to needless things on youtube share those videos let me know what you think of them if you've got constructive criticism uh that isn't hey throw some graphics on that or or hey we want to see your face Which, trust me, you don't need it. Uh, I went years without you seeing my face. Why do you need it now? Uh, But yeah, leave some comments, share, subscribe, do all the stuff that you do if you like somebody and you think their stuff is cool and you want them to keep doing it. Uh, so I'm, I'm having fun with that. And actually, if I have time tonight, I have another unboxing. Th- this one I feel like is a big premiere unboxing type thing because I haven't seen any reviews online yet. And I would love to be the first person to get to it. Uh, and actually, I've already got one in the can that I was going to post today. But a new episode of Execute Chapter 66 focusing on the new Ahsoka novel Went up today, so I, I don't want to put up more than two needless things projects in a day. So maybe tomorrow I'll put up this other unboxing that I think is beating a lot of the others to the punch. Uh, just because I haven't seen a whole lot of reviews online yet, and, and it's a cool piece. Uh, well, I'll go ahead and tell you it's it's the new McFarlane uh, Spawn from Mortal Kombat. So that'll be going up very soon, possibly by the time this episode releases. I might just put it up tomorrow or to you guys yesterday. So anyway, that's what's going on with Needless Things. I'm feeling oddly motivated lately, uh, and I'll tell you, what what has done it is this batch of G.I. Joe figures I keep talking about uh, that our pal Wilson gifted to me, and, and I, I feel terrible because I've been pestering him, because there there is evidence that there is more to this collection than what I've got but it's been so exciting to me interacting with these toys in a meaningful way uh and I think that's what the unboxings are for me as well because instead of just opening the thing and taking enough pictures to write a good review I'm actually opening it and really playing with it and moving the articulation and trying the accessories and it, it's more engaging for me and hopefully more engaging for you guys as well and while i personally don't often have time to sit and watch stuff on youtube i understand the kids really like it as a matter of fact phantom jr is upstairs right now playing lego dimensions while watching youtube videos because that's what the kids do these days It baffles me but uh if that's what you want then that's what i can deliver but it's it's only going to be delivered in the way that i want to deliver it so so just deal with it uh yeah so that's (laughs) honestly that's about all the news i've really got today there's just not much going on there's a ton of pre-orders in the toy world there's plenty of stuff i'm sitting around waiting for uh i made an order today from a site I've never used before that I don't think shady is the right word but unreliable could potentially be the right word it's called Zavi or Zavi it's Z A V V I it's a foreign toy store site whatever um and they've got some really hilariously awful reviews online but it seems the nature of those reviews are like really long shipping time, really lousy packing, but like it's not a scam. They're not just going to take your money and, and you never see anything and they accept PayPal. So there's protection there, but in one of the groups that I'm in, somebody posted that the NACA 1990 Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Casey Jones and Raphael Tupac was up for pre-order on this site and what I discovered today in poking around online is that these figures, uh, which are Walmart exclusive, and the upcoming video game Metalhead—I think he's from the video game—and no, I think he's from the cartoon actually. Uh, but Neca producing that as well. Then that one's Target exclusive, but that outside of the U.S., these are being offered by like just any online retailer but just none that are based in the U.S. So like Big big Bad Toy Store Entertainment Earth uh, or Dorkside Toys, like your favorites aren't going to get them, but if you can go look outside the country, there's another place called Robot Kingdom uh, that apparently has a slightly better reputation, but they had pre-orders up that I missed. But yeah, I saw this Zavi place. I had a pre-order up, and it's it's pricey, but I don't think it's way pricier then what uh, the the it's going to be in the store because my guess is it's going to be fifty five to sixty bucks, um, or maybe fifty to fifty five. But anyway, it was it was fifty nine ninety nine, and I'll tell you right now, if I could spend forty dollars more on something that is Walmart exclusive and not have to hunt through Walmart's to find it and hope that they even bother stocking it uh hope that some scalper didn't get it before me and and it's just it's worth it so i pre-ordered this thing and you know we'll see how it goes obviously i'll keep you guys posted i'll i'll do an unboxing on youtube whenever it comes out right now the date is listed as october 31st uh i i think the date on those was the fall anyway and if it's way late, it's way late. Because if I don't find it before it ships or whatever, then, then it's worth it. Uh, and if I do find it in the store, I don't know if I can cancel this pre-order or not. But, I mean, I can certainly figure out something to do with an extra. I currently have an extra splinter uh, from that set, or from that series. That, I've uh, you know, I'll be able to move at some point in some way. So, yeah, that's, that's a little bit of weird news. So check out the Zavi site. Uh, I'm not not recommending it at this point, but I'm just letting you know it's out there and it's a potential alternative to looking for these awful, awful retailer exclusives that unfortunately the state of the toy industry and Walmart's ruination of American businesses has, has led to these being the only option for some of these figures coming out. So when it comes down to it, what we have to look at is you know, do we want Casey and Raf to be Walmart exclusive, or do we just not want the figures to get made at all? Because that's where we're at. Uh, you know, Walmart has tremendous power over these manufacturers, uh, and, and it's unfortunate, but that's how it is. Uh, so, moving on, let's get back to some joyful news, and back to those G.I. Joes that I was talking about before. Uh, today's episode was originally going to be myself our pal Noel and our friend Christian uh, who is a con buddy who I've been wanting to have on the show and we, we get into it a little bit during the conversation uh, but me and Noel and Christian we're going to sit down and have a conversation about a real American hero uh, I didn't really have an agenda I had a few bullet point notes and I just wanted to reminisce about a real American hero my favorite toy line of all time like an obsession that has stayed with me through the years um and what ended up happening is i and this is me i personally got derailed by sort of sticking to more of a format than i intended to because we were using yojo.com as a guide and i recommend you go ahead and bring it up now it's a great resource uh, we name a couple of other resources once the conversation starts. But for the purposes of this explanation, Yojo.com has a list of every Real American Hero item ever released. And I had it up just as a point of reference. And what we ended up doing is something similar to what uh, Shwek and I did for the DC Universe Classics episode, where we just ended up running down the figures. Now, we share a lot of memories. We we nail down some of the vehicles, some specifics. Uh, it, it is... In spirit, what I intended it to be, but because of the sheer volume of toys released, we only made it to 1985 in the release of the USS Flag. So, what you have today is G.I. Joe, a real American hero, from 1982, the first year of the line, to 1985 with the release of the greatest toy of all time, the USS Flag, which I contradict myself later in the episode, but for the purposes of sort of general recognition, I do think most people would accept that the USS Flag is the greatest toy of all time. Uh, listen to the episode, and you'll find out what my personal actual pick is for that, but I mean, there's no denying the Flag is a, is a mammoth accomplishment uh, in the toy industry. So that's where we ended this episode. We will now have to record a second part, and potentially a third part, depending on how far we go with it. Uh, that covers, you know, 1986 on. We'll see how far we get with that one. Because let's be honest, the line did start to sag a little bit after that. Uh, but it, we had so much fun talking about these toys. I love hearing other people's experiences and memories, and just how they feel about this toy line that i love so much i think there is the potential for us to one day still record that sort of rambling memory episode but this one turned into a more focused look at the gi joe toy line and uh we didn't hit on vehicles and accessories as much as i would have liked but again i kind of let it got let it get derailed by that checklist of figures. So we really do focus on the figures. But there's plenty of talk of all other aspects of Joe, including the cartoon, including the comic book. Uh it really is a great conversation. If you're a fan of G.I. Joe, or even if you're not, uh, I think this will be an enlightening thing for you to listen to. So kick back, uh, grab some grape soda or some YoJo Cola and enjoy uh three huge G.I. Joe fans fondly reminiscing about the first few years of A Real American Hero. Phantomaniacs, welcome to a G.I. Joe episode of the Needless Things podcast. Uh, as you know, if you've been following me, uh, G.I. Joe has been huge in the Phantom Zone lately. And this month in particular, uh, I'm going to be talking about just stuff that I love. And maybe that's not so different from any other episode of the Needless Things podcast. But uh, May 10th is the big day, so send your gifts to me. I'll be celebrating a uh, birthday I think I'm about halfway there. I feel it deep inside that that uh, I, I'm at the top of the hill right now. It's going to be rolling down the other side uh, for the rest of my life, I think. But uh, right now, we're going to focus on G.I. Joe. And the only way to talk about G.I. Joe is, one, to bring a new friend on into the show, or I guess an old friend and a new guest. Please welcome Christian yes. Allen. Yo, Joe! Yo, Joe! So... We met. I don't know how many years ago at DragonCon, uh, you were shipwreck, which yes. is immediately going to grab my attention. And uh, we just kind of started talking, and we've seen each other at, at cons a few times since then. And and uh, you're a GI Joe fan, and really, that's all I need. <laughs> <laughs> so how how did where did your your sort of where did shipwreck start for you like as far as i'm dressing up like shipwreck and going to conventions
1: (laughs) uh shipwreck has always been my favorite joe uh i don't know well uh, my father actually was in the navy my older brother was in the navy so uh, i was the first person in the family to sort of break that tradition so i was like hey i'm gonna love the navy figure (laughs) um and, you know, with, with the cartoon, Shipwreck's personality and that Jack Nicholson voice and that uh, attitude of his, it, he's just fun. And so dressing up as him at conventions, uh, I get to get away with a lot more than I do uh, with any other costume that I have because it's just so dang comfortable and so easy to drink in.
0: And sailors have more fun.
1: Yes, <laughs> by far.
0: <laughs> and our other guest tonight, uh, returning to the show, uh, the last time you were on, I think, was when we actually did the commentary for the G.I. Joe movie. Noel Wood, welcome back.
2: Hey,
3: Cobra!
0: Oh, no. Welcome uh, me back. <sighs> Noel, you're back on the show. We know you love G.I. Joe. We know you're part of the finest, the G.I. Joe cosplay group. Uh, you've had tons of costumes that to my eyes look hideously restrictive and uncomfortable (laughs) uh i think my favorite thing that you've done is scrap iron but the one that we have to talk about right now is airtight because oh yeah that seems well one it's appropriate to the current situation we're in but two it just seems like an airtight costume which seems like a bad idea well it's
2: not an airtight costume. Looks can be deceiving. It actually breathes quite well. Uh, the uh, the hazmat suit is made of cotton. Um, everything else is pretty lightweight, made of foam and other lightweight material. So uh, it does look like a very restrictive uh, costume. It it actually is kind of all in one piece, so it has to be taken off very, very delicately. But uh, other than that, it's, uh, it's one of my favorites to wear. And uh, it was one that I had to kind of source everything from scratch unlike my scrap iron which uh, helmet was provided by a great company called Pit Viper Studios based out of Michigan um, if you're in the in the market for any kind of G.I. Joe helmet or any other kind of accessories like they do Master of the Universe and uh, uh, Robotech and stuff like that too but they do all sorts of awesome props and that's where I got the scrap iron helmet from.
0: Oh, um, but yes Go oh, airtight
2: tons of fun to wear.
0: Go ahead. Going through uh, this this Joe Windfall that I've recent, uh, recently acquired, which I'm not going to get too deep into here because I think that's going to be its own episode, uh, but I noticed with Airtight his bizarre gun. How did you make that thing?
2: Uh took a Nerf gun, and I essentially uh, got a vacuum cleaner ending, <laughs> um, attached it to it, Okay. Uh, the, the back part of it is actually an old uh, AT&T DSL modem um, and then a couple of other little features and then just kind of bonded it together and, uh, and sanded it and threw a coat of black paint on it and uh, hooked a, a cable to it that hooks in my backpack so it was the closest approximation I could come up with to actually match that bizarre weapon that he has, the sniffer as it, I think it is
0: called So Christian, having heard all that uh, knowing your your experience at conventions, do you have aspirations to make any other more complex costumes or are you like myself a comfort cosplayer?
1: I'm a comfort cosplayer. Uh the only other G. I. Joe character I've ever seriously considered and uh is the Dreadnought Torch, uh, which is basically another half shirtless jeans. Sure, sure. Comfort guy. Well, which, is, which is why one of my favorite costumes to wear is my
2: Monkey Wrench, another Dreadnought, which is also very comfortable, especially uh, when doing the Dragon Con Parade when it's about 95 degrees outside.
0: Yeah, I don't... Uh, I, I can't even imagine walking in that parade in, like, shorts and a t-shirt, let alone <laughs> full gear. Uh, and you know what? We'll We'll come back to this one later, because I want everybody to have time to think <laughs> about it. It just occurred to me to ask, but... Uh, you guys think about this while we're talking at the end we're going to come back and i want us each to say if we could have one gi joe costume just magically poof appear in our closet to have to wear to conventions what would it be so no no money investment no time investment you just bam you've got a a uh you know, practical yet screen accurate version of this character's costume or toy accurate, depending because there can be some variances, and we'll talk about that stuff as we go. All right, Ooh. so we got to start at the beginning, and we're going to start with uh, Christian. Since you're the new guy, I want you to let us know uh, the G.I. Joe Real American Hero toy line comic book cartoon is going to be kind of the focus of our conversation, mostly the toy line. When and where did you first find these incredible toys?
1: Yeah, so where I grew up, uh, we had a department store called 3D's, literally right behind our house. Uh, so every day, whenever you would get home from school, you get off the bus, go into 3D's, check out the toy section, and then go home. Uh, and one afternoon, amongst the wall of Star Wars figures, were these new action figures uh, the packaging was way more dynamic It had artwork, it had that red explosion on it And the figures had all these joints uh, And looked way more poseable than the Star Wars figures So it immediately caught my eye I went home, bugged my parents for a good 24-48 hours And then finally got Rock and Roll and Scarlet And never looked back
0: That's funny, because that's really similar to the experience that I had as far as sort of recognizing the differences from Star Wars. Because Star Wars was was my big thing. Because this would have been, I guess, end of 82, maybe. Mm -hmm. And at that point, Star Wars was it. Return of the Jedi wasn't even out yet. So we're all still deep into Star Wars at that point. But the elbows don't bend. The knees don't bend. And even as a kid, like... Six years old, I was conscious of that and it it always bugged me and i didn't it's funny because I started with Migos that had obviously way yes. more articulation uh, and then we moved down to Star Wars and Star Wars is great we love the movies you know we've we've seen them maybe once in the theater if we're lucky so we're basically for me, my Star Wars was the toys at first because back then there's no streaming, there's no, there wasn't even like VHS really. Right. You might yep. have seen them in the theater. You probably saw them on like one of the Sunday night movies or something.
1: Yeah. For me, the Star Wars was the vehicles, and that's something. Yes. Yes. That that was big about Joe. But the difference to me was. The, the bio cards on the back for the Joe figures were so detailed. You felt like you really knew who this character was. And because of that posability, there was so much more play value outside of the vehicles and the play sets. I, you know, I didn't need exploding walls and all of that. The, the Joes could do everything on their own.
0: And, of course, we've got to give credit to, you mentioned, the the file cards and the art. we got to give credit to Larry Hama for basically creating the G.I. Joe universe as we know it. Uh, yes. And we've got to give credit to Hector Garrido, who recently passed, for creating that dynamic, unmistakable art that caught our eye before we even saw what the figures were. Yes. Uh, and my version of that story is I was in Eckerd with my mom, or it might have been Revco. I'm not sure. Uh, I was six. They were interchangeable. Who cares? In uh, the back of the store, they had a a big wire spinner rack kind of similar to how comic books used to be but with pegs on it and those G.I. Joe figures were on the pegs and I loved them I I had to have them and I've told this story a few times and I think I've said different characters each time but I know that I got zap and short fuse I'm guessing that I got rock and roll and flash but I'm really not positive who it was at the time i just know i probably wouldn't have bought like four just green guys i would have tried to get something a little bit different uh but got them home and then that christmas ended up getting more which we'll get deeper into the series as we go but that was it for me once once they were out of the package and i saw how truly superior they were construction wise to those star wars figures that was a sea change in my collecting and in my playing uh noel what about you where where did these come into your life?
2: So, I actually had an uncle who uh, passed away several years ago, but long before that. Um, he kind of bequeathed me a lot of his old toys. Um, he was, you know, grew up in the, in the <laughs> early 70s, so he had a lot of G.I. Joes, the 12-inch ones. So I played with the big G.I. Joe figures. I had the, uh, the, the Gemini capsule, I had a few of the Adventure Team uh, guys, and, you know, they were always my favorites. They were, they towered over my Migos, so you know they were huge. And, and I guess my dad knew that I loved GI Joe, so he had found out that there was a new GI Joe line being released. Um, so he kind of nudged me into that, and then I guess it was kind of cool when you know uh, all these violent war toys. But hey, this is a, a real American hero, and we were very patriotic in the eighties, so it was. Uh, was a good thing to have these G.I. Joe figures. And so I, I wasn't really discouraged from playing with them like I was several other toy lines. Um, and uh, I just grew to love them. I, I loved the mythology. As um, soon as you know, the, that first cartoon series came out, uh, the first five, you know five five-episode miniseries, I just was hooked for life. And I've kind of never uh, had a, a moment where I wasn't a G.I. Joe fan during that time. Um, my first ever experience getting the toys was, uh, Christmas, I got Zap, Flash, uh, the Vamp with, uh, uh, with Clutch, and a Cobra Trooper. Um, those are my first toys, so, you know, have, have little battles with one little bad guy getting chased around by three <laughs> good guys, uh, as it was often the case, um, you know, the at the time, just the idea of, you know, collecting armies, um, you know, doing army builders with with the troopers just blew my mind how someone would have the money to do that. But I always dreamed about it.
0: Yeah, that's the, well, first of all, you bring up an interesting difference because Christian mentioned, uh, having a brother and a dad in the Navy. And my dad was a lifelong army guy. He retired a Lieutenant Colonel. And my dad was in the Navy too. See, and that's for me, that was the touchstone. Like dad, he was always cool about the Star Wars toys. He liked the Star Wars movies fine, uh, but this was something he could really sink his teeth into, especially these first couple years of G.I. Joe, where most of it was based on real stuff. He he got really excited and invested in bringing home something like the Sky Striker and saying, look, this is based on this plane. This works this way. If the, like He... he uh, like, of his own volition, without me even having to really ask, he would bring stuff home and be excited about it. And that was, like, one of the rare few bonding moments we really had in my early life. So that that's, that's always been a touchstone of it for me. Uh, so this first series of G.I. Joe figures and vehicles, <laughs> it's such a weird assortment because you have nine Joes, you have two Cobras, which I didn't have Cobras for a while. And I don't remember, I, th- I feel like my mom was hesitant to buy little terrorists. I think maybe she didn't care for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so for a while, I didn't have any bad guys for the Joes to fight. And I think I remember having to explain that I needed bad guys for them to fight. But well, That's funny, because that's what Larry Hama had to pitch to Hasbro.
2: Right, Uh, right. Because they just wanted a a series of heroes, and he was like, who are they going to fight? So that's why they had to come up with Cobra.
0: Well, Hasbro and my mom would have gotten along just fine. (laughs) Uh, But we have nine Joes and two Cobras, which 11 figures in an assortment. What a a bizarre time 1982 was. Uh, And then we have four vehicles, and then the Cobra Commander mail-in, which I never had the mail-away version uh, do you guys know? Are there actual? Are there any differences between the mail away and the one that eventually came on a card?
2: I don't believe so. I think yeah. the only difference is the the version that came with the missile command set, with the the early printing of the uh, the cobra symbol that looks like Mickey Mouse. Um, but I don't think that was one of the mail-aways. I think that only was with the missile command set.
1: Yeah, because for the longest time, the only cobra I had uh, was Cobra Commander and with star wars with a lot of the toy lines back then you know clip your little upc codes and send them in yeah. my mom was the so queen of that if there was any toy line that had a send this in and you get something my mom did it um so i can never really remember like i know we didn't get cobra commander right off but i feel like ours always was the mail-in one and it didn't look any different than the ones that my friends had
0: and that's what I was thinking is it was you know back then it wasn't a time for like variant figures or chase figures or any kind of thing like that. And I think most of the mail aways that did eventually see release because Duke was a mail away at two first, right? Yeah, and that was the same as the carded one. Um, I think for the most part they they would just release it eventually. but there are a few that we'll discuss later on that that didn't work quite like that. Uh, but let's let's focus on this series one for right now. It's it is the most straightforward military of the series, and when these figures first were released, they just had bending elbows. The swivel arm battle grip wouldn't be introduced until I think it was the following year. Is that correct? Yes, yep, eighty three. So. Right here, we do have a variation in all of these because all I think every single one of these was eventually re-released with that swivel arm battle grip.
2: Yeah, all the yeah. version 1s have version 1.5 is the way they usually describe them because they're, other than the arms and the waists, they're the same figure, essentially.
0: Oh, now tell me about the waist.
2: They uh, they made the waist a little bit more kind of streamlined uh, in 83, they replaced that kind of clunky um, rounded belt with the one that looks like the Hasbro symbol uh, for most of the Joes.
0: Oh, interesting! I wasn't even aware of that. I'll have to take learn a look at these. New. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's why we're here—we're to to share and to learn. <laughs> uh, but these were, like Christian said, so much playability just on their own, and then the vehicles were key because star wars was very much a vehicle line star wars was launched like the figures were kind of extras when the toy line was launched the idea was to make the vehicles from the movies and they were like well let's you know we'll have figures to go with them but those are like the add-ons they they were they're trying to sell vehicles um and that's why people of our age vehicles are so important to a toy line whereas in modern times uh they've really fallen by the wayside but what what have we got in this this very first wave? We have the vamp. We have the, the jet ram. Pack. Oh, the ram! Right, the uh, yeah. which the ram didn't have a figure with it. Is that correct? Right. And then the jetpack with Grand yep. Slam. And then Hawk with his missiles. Yeah, mobile missile system. MMS. And was the Mobat no the Mobat? Was yeah, it the MOBAT, MOBAT, Mobat was okay.
2: Yeah. Mobat was first year.
0: And, and for the listeners, I want you to bear with us because we're. If you want to follow along, we're looking at or I'm looking at YoJo.com, which I think is the best resource for GI Joes. But I also recommend FigureRealm.com because YoJo, while amazing, uh, they do have a membership fee if you want to keep track of your figures and stuff. Whereas Figure Realm, you can start your own personal checklist and it's free to sign up. Uh, but Yojo is a more complete and informative site. I, I dare say the service they provide is probably worth it. Uh, but I'm, I'm, it's fun for me to look at this and see the vehicle drivers and just sort of try and cast my mind back and remember who came with what.
2: <laughs> well, and if I can make another recommendation about a great Joe resources online. Please do. Uh, and a shout-out shout out to uh, uh, the fabulous Carson Metaxas who runs 3djoes.com, um, which has beautifully rendered, 360-degree views, um, high definition of uh, just about every G.I. Joe figure ever released in the classic
0: series. Oh, that's insane. Wow. Yeah. Now, something interesting I noticed uh, looking at Figure Realm, speaking of them, is that that site considers this real American hero line to have gone from 1982 until, like, 1996? No, okay, Whenever the relaunch happened, like, they include... Remember the uh, Iwo Jima-style box set? Yeah. Oh, yeah. It was a gigantic disappointment. It Well, I mean... Okay. It's a gigantic disappointment if you want, like, reproductions and, and like... For me, it wasn't a disappointment because I was just happy to have three and three-quarter inch G.I. Joe figures that weren't neon colors and didn't uh, have giant sonic weapons that shot water. Like, (laughs) I I loved the fact that these were just basic old plain Jane Joes. And yes, they slapped names on figures that had no relation to the characters whatsoever. And used parts from much
2: later toys to supposedly be you know the original 13 shows but
0: but but i've got a soft spot for that set yeah and and i
2: and now i appreciate it more at the time though not understanding the concept of you know technical limitations and that you know molds go bad and it's not cheap just to remold a figure you have to you know that's that's a huge process with lots of r&d even if you're recreating an old one
0: yeah that well and that's the thing is is and oftentimes, even if the tooling is still around it's less expensive to just make new tooling which is why Mm -hmm. like with these retro Star Wars figures that are coming out now, it's why they're different because it's just cheaper just to start from scratch than to try and piecemeal these things together Um, so, out of this series it's tough for me to pick a favorite uh, I can't I can't choose Snake Eyes because he his story is hilarious. If any if anybody out there has not watched the Toys That Made Us G. I. Joe episode, you really need to. Uh, Snake Eyes was made as a cheap figure to kind of spread costs around that first series. So he's just all black figure. They were like, whatever, we'll just throw him out there. Who cares? Ended up being super popular, but I cannot choose him as my favorite from this one. I'm Which go... I
1: have to add, I was that kid that they were talking about, because every time I saw Snake Eyes on the shelf, I was like, ass. <laughs> no pain ass. Like, I did not understand his popularity at all, even on the cartoon. I'm like, he doesn't talk. He doesn't do anything. Oh, I, I was into Snake Eyes hook, line, and sinker.
0: Uh, I, I He was... Probably for the entirety of my young life, my favorite GI Joe character. Now uh, I feel differently, but you know, at the time he was so cool and mysterious, and and had this sort of ninja look, and then they literally turn him into a ninja. But <laughs> that, like, with this first line, I was like, "Ooh, what's a what's a commando? That sounds cool." <laughs> uh, but I think my favorite from this wave is actually Stalker.
2: Stalker's great
0: because. Yeah of the the paint app, he's actually got the camouflage gear, which was a huge deal to me. You guys have no idea how much camouflage clothing I had when I was like six to ten years old. Uh, I would have worn it every day if I could have. I loved camouflage. <laughs> he had the cool hat. He had a unique gun uh, as compared and granted everybody everybody in the ser- this first series had a unique weapon, but stalkers was it had that cool stock on it that yeah. just it, it made it fit on him better i feel
2: like well, and he had yeah, the beret the the fact that it was uh, his head was one of the few that was unique uh, you know him and uh, scarlet and snake eyes obviously had unique heads but everybody else had had shared heads with uh, with other figures right right i thought that was great that he was kind of a standout in that um now did you I even didn't know that Stuckridge? when you were a kid though Oh yeah, I could tell. I mean, because the so technically the first GI Joe figure I ever had was a Grand Slam that I found in the dirt at a baseball field, um, and you know washed him off. But then I got Zap, and I realized they're the same guy. They've got the, the, and then of course the body of Zap or sorry the body body of Flash, which I also got in my early collection, was shared with Grand Slam too. And I was just like, well, that's kind of cheat.
0: <laughs> I don't but- think that bothered me at the time. And as far as the heads being shared. Honestly, I don't. I can't imagine I didn't notice, but I don't think I
1: cared. Yeah. As a kid, I noticed the body sharing with the He-Man figures immediately. Oh yeah. I didn't notice it with Joe's until I was well into like junior high, because it was instead of just taking a whole body and slapping a a new head on it or just repainting that head. It'd be like, we're going to take the body from this one, the arms from this one, the legs from this one. So it still, to me at least, looked incredibly fresh. And I thought they were all brand new characters.
0: Well, I got, as I was putting, uh, fixing up this batch that I got, I had set... Uh, Hawk figure, aside, that had like a broken hand or something like that. And so I took a, I took him apart, just put him in a bag, because with, if it's a broken piece, I'm just saving it until I can get a, a better piece. And then later on, I came across another Hawk. And I was like, wait, I already wrote Hawk down, because believe me, I've been insane about this as far as the weapons and everything else. I've got a list of what I need. But anyway, I was like, wait, I already wrote Hawk down. What is happening here? And I realized... That now there aren't any shared parts except for the head, but Hawk and Short Fuse both have the green and silver motif
2: with the blonde hair.
0: With the blonde hair, <laughs> so I just Same totally head. mixed up their figures in that way because it's yeah. they're so similar.
2: Yeah, they're the easiest two to, mis- to to mistake for one another in that first line. Um, even like the two Cobra troopers, the troopers that came out that year, they have differently molded heads. One has a crest on it. So, you know, they even they even put some differentiation there.
0: Well, okay, so here's a weird anomaly that I never had when I was a kid and always heard about. Uh, I have a cobra that's just cobra, like the infantry guy, but that's I think that's all it says on the card, right? It's just cobra. Yep. With a silver insignia. Yes. You know where that came from? no idea. He's the
2: Viper Glider Pilot.
0: Oh, okay, okay. And that makes sense because I had the Joe Glider that came with the Tan Grunt. Is that right? Yep. Yep. Okay, I never had the Cobra Glider because I got the Joe one and it didn't work well and made me angry so my mom would not (laughs) buy me the Cobra one. (laughs)
2: And then disintegrates within 20 minutes of you buying it.
0: Yeah, the, oddly enough, the the material that they used to package Big Macs in does not stand up to a lot of play. Nope. Uh, so, uh, Noel, out of this whole thing, and I guess we can go with the vehicle drivers as well, because I mean they mm-hmm. were all they're all considered part of this first wave. Uh, can you name a favorite? Uh, so, I think probably my favorite toy.
2: Uh, just from the original run because I didn't I didn't have a stalker till a little bit later on when they he was offered as a mail in like in eighty five or eighty six um, but I think my favorite toy was Flash because he had that really cool that that cool jacket and the the laser rifle it was like it was high tech but it was still somewhat military but as far as like characterizations go I think the first time I fell in love with GI Joe characterizations was when I read the Clutch file card and I still remember like he he calls women chicks, and he greases his hair with motor oil, and he's always got a toothpick in his mouth and I just like I knew all about clutch <laughs> just from reading that and I, I like i had I had this vision of this character it was more than just a piece of plastic in my hand, and that's really like that's what won me over to g i Joe was reading those dossiers, those file cards, uh looking at the blueprints for the vehicles, and just realizing that this was more than just like a toy to make money this was this whole mythology, this whole universe that I was getting myself into before I even could understand that I was delving into a universe like that.
0: Well, and it's interesting, the effort that they put into Clutch, because as just a vehicle driver, you'd think, oh, they could just throw another green guy in there, but he's got the shoulder shoulder holster, which, if you remember Mm -hmm. in the 80s, shoulder holsters were like a huge thing, possibly because of Miami Vice.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And shoulder pads on guys just look weird. (laughs) So you can get away with the shoulder holster. (laughs) Uh, But he had the shoulder holster, and then
0: he had that brown uh, detailing on his shirt that made him stand out. Because, you know, looking at these figures together, they're very cool, I love them, but they're also kind of plain and similar to to the casual observer. So having that brown detail on the front of his shirt there really makes him stand out. And then, of course, he's one of the bearded figures as well, so that's cool. Beards are cool now. Beards were cool back then. That's right. Uh, Christian, what about you? Do you have a
1: favorite from this set? I do. So, from the original line, my favorite, from the time I got her all the way to now, is still Scarlet. Um, A lot of it had to do with the characterization uh, on her file card. Um... You know, back then, female figures were really non-existent. Um, And while Princess Leia is cool, um, Scarlet was someone who totally kicked butt. I mean, she goes into gun battles with a crossbow (laughs) and throwing stars. (laughs) That is how confident she is in her ability to take you down.
0: Well, and that's... One of the great things, because they they put so much into her film about Stalker looking different or even Snake Eyes looking different. Looking at Scarlet, like, what an astonishing amount of detail and number of paint apps for this first wave. And I guess they knew somebody, and I don't remember if they've discussed the story of how she got into the line, but clearly somebody wanted her in and somebody wanted her to sell because she's got all the incredible detailing done in silver. She's got the throwing stars on one arm. She's got the, I think, a mini crossbow maybe under her wrist. Uh, some little technological dude on her thigh. The red thing on her shoulder. Like, tons of paint apps for this line. mm mm-hmm. uh, mm-hmm. Just a very, very striking figure. The only problem I had with this figure is that once the cartoon hit and we saw yeah. that ponytail. <laughs> <laughs> so start- I
2: thought you were gonna say the fact that she doesn't have uh she can't stand on a figure stand.
1: Well yeah, she didn't have uh peg holes. Yep. And that that did bug me, but she had boots. She didn't have just flat feet, like they actually gave her something of a heel. Mm-hmm very
0: interesting i don't know if i had much earnest of that and here's here's another thing that i've has kind of hit me as i've been going back through these in my head gi joe's came with stands and that's not not until the 90s right that you in order to get stands you had to buy the battle gear that would come with what like four i think yeah, it wasn't many, because yeah, I didn't have a, a whole lot. lot. No, I didn't either, and they did, like, blue ones and brown ones and green ones and tan ones, probably black, probably silver, or not silver, but, like, that light gray that so many of the weapons were cast in. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, yeah, they they didn't just come with the figures, but for the most part, you didn't need them.
2: No, oh, they had the, they had them on all the all vehicles, the, well, or most of the vehicles had... Plenty of places for Joe's to stand, even in places like, you know, with a missile's back blast
0: coming at their leg
2: that you wouldn't think that you'd stand (laughs) a Joe figure on.
0: Well, and what is the irony in these things being covered with foot pegs, but covered in even more not-a-step stickers? (laughs) Uh, So yeah, that first wave changed everything. This cool military-style thing that had a story to it. And unfortunately, looking back uh I don't completely remember when I got into the comic um and i i you know whenever the cartoon hit, just like Noel said, I was there watching that first five part series uh that doesn't have a name. it's about the we wait is that when the weather the real American ended? hero? Oh, it's just Real American Hero. Yeah, the first which series is called Real American is Hero. the name of the cartoon, so it's not like that's a particularly innovative or, or plot-revealing title. <laughs> but, uh... So, yeah, it was Weather Dominator was the first one, and then Pyramid of Darkness was actually called Pyramid of Darkness. Is that right?
1: Yeah. At and least then, I remember it.
0: I think that's correct, and then we move into the show proper at that point. Well, you had The Revenge of Cobra.
2: That was... Okay, now I'm, now I'm starting to... Yeah, there, was, there were three mini-series. You had the Mass Device, you had the Weather Dominator, you had... Um, what was the other one we just... Oh, the Pyramid, Pyramid of, Darkness. of Darkness. Yeah. Uh, and then you had the... Uh, the fourth one was... Arise, serpentor Rise. Arise. Arise, But that was later on. Yeah. But yeah, that was, was after
1: there was a was, full That was after the, the series had already started. Right, right. right. So
0: this, but this stuff when it hit, which was after the toy line hit, by the way, the the cartoon didn't start until eighty four. Was it eighty three?
2: Yeah, eighty three was the first year of the cartoon.
0: Okay, uh, but the toy line had a good head start on it. So thanks. We've we've got our yeah, <laughs> we've got our scarlet <laughs> figures, and then she shows up in the cartoon, and you're like, well, where's this ponytail? What's happening here? And at the time, we're not. Uh, old enough, wise enough, cognizant enough to understand that there are differences and it doesn't matter, and that you know this this cartoon is based on this toy line, not vice versa. Regardless of you know what order they came out in, so those kinds of differences were were weird. But as it went on, there was a certain amount of synchrony, and even in the comic book, which a lot of times Larry Hama bucked against. But when you're writing a licensed property, that's the kind of stuff you got to deal with. Uh, this incredible, well, several incredible mythologies were born out of this one series of toy lines. But the following year, we would get, and, and it's in and 83 is when it starts to get really hard for me to pick what year was the most nostalgic and the most remarkable., uh, Series two is very interesting because we have a total here, Of eight single carded figures. Now, my assumption is it's these eight figures alongside the reissues of those series one figures, right? So we actually do have a a number. We've got you know almost twenty figures, uh, twenty different figures on the pegs. We've got two new cobras. Well, okay. Here's here's a sticking point for me. And opinions will vary. <laughs> but to me, Destro is not a cobra. Destro is no. a no he's a he is uh, he, he works for the highest bidder. Right. He is a weapons dealer. He often plays both sides against each other, but he's an independent contractor when he was referred to,
2: like, you see a cobra symbol anywhere on that packaging when he came out. He was the enemy. Right. Um, Zartan was the same way in 84. He was just the enemy. It yes. He didn't say cobra on it anywhere. He was a mercenary. Mm-hmm. As, and... as was Major Blood, of course, Um. also around that time. And he was billed as a mercenary. But he's also
0: a cobra, which didn't make any sense to me. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, in the cartoon... Those were things that kind of bothered me. It's, I still love it. It's still great. Uh,
1: but a huge sticking point for me as a kid is Destro's mask. Because when you, when you read <laughs> about this mask, this family heirloom, and then the cartoon, <laughs> it was like, yeah. does he paint his face silver? I, how is this happening? I, I don't understand it. And And that has something... That I think has has bogged that character down ever since. That they, they, they people just tend to forget. No, it's a mask, and and to me, it was very Doctor Doom ish, and that made him so scary.
0: Yeah, when when he turned out to be a guy with a silver head, like which which is is the best. Live action characterization. Uh who was it? Was it Vinny Jones in the Ballad oh, yeah. In the Ballad of G. <laughs> G. I. Joe? Where his head's literally just painted silver. <laughs> <laughs> uh which by the way, listeners, if you have not checked out the Ballad of G. I. Joe from uh Funny or Die, please please go watch it. Pause this, go watch that and come back to us. It's and one with of the beauty of the
2: Internet, somebody discovers it newly every day and posts it to yet another group like it's a great brand-new discovery. <laughs> and that's fine, because I can see it a thousand times. But, like, yep, yep, know no, this one. And, and and I just realized I am wrong. Major Blood does not have Cobra anywhere on his packaging. He just says the enemy, and as a matter of fact, the bottom of his file car says G.I. Joe on it, which is interesting.
0: Huh. Well, and yeah. that, but that's again, to, to streamline and simplify things, for the cartoon, the the all the bad guys were Cobra. I, I, with the occasional exceptions uh, when they would bring in a different character, but like all of the figural bad guys were, were just Cobra. And I, I get it. I understand it. Uh, but, to, to one last point about Destro's silver head, I agree that the idea of him being in this mask was really cool to me and really intimidating and, and Doctor Doomish, and well, it, it would take a whole other episode to talk about Rise of Cobra. We'll oh. we'll swing back I... around on that one someday. For right now, I want to cover series two. C- more colorful, still relatively military-looking, although of course there there are a lot of deviations from regulations. Uh, more vehicles. And then two mail-ins, and I'm actually... This is interesting because I see Major Blood listed as a mail-in. Yeah, he was initially
2: a mail-in, just like Cover Commander was. Okay,
0: okay. So it just ended up that in the same year, probably later in 1983, they released him as a carded figure.
2: Uh, yeah, I believe he was released on cards in 83 as well.
0: Okay. Uh, so this assortment is tremendous, and what a great... You know, these are some of the best supporting toy characters ever. We have Airborne, who's one of my favorite figures. Destro, Doc, Gung-Ho, Major Blood, Snowjob, Torpedo, and then Tripwire, who I think it gets a little short shrift up against some of these other heavy hitters, but we're establishing now Land and Sea and Air. like very, and Torpedo.
1: Like a song
0: yeah, right <laughs> it It's literally putting forth this idea that G i Joe encompasses all of these branches of the military, uh and then with the vehicles, all the best figures from that year were the vehicle drivers, uh... at least for the Joes,
2: or at least uh, some of the most memorable characters. I mean Wild Bill
0: wild Ace, Wild Bill girl is great. Ace, yeah, Ace is—he's uh, next level because of his helmet. Mm-hmm. That helmet. I think
1: that- you have more iconic vehicles in the second wave. Therefore, you're drawn to the drivers. Um, I don't know how it gets more iconic than Gung Ho.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm going mean, to have to agree. Looking at this page with all these in front of me, that guy stands out. Well, you know, go, going back to the military regulations, I think he's the one that skirted them the most that year. <laughs> <laughs> Shirts, not for me, fellas. Uh, do you wear a vest, though? Uh, well, and the color schemes, even. I mean, what what is this insane turquoise and green camouflage. What well, that's not a thing that's ever existed outside
1: of like Urban Outfitters. <laughs> that's how confident he is. <laughs> he doesn't need to hide. Nope.
0: But the the practical uh, the representation of you've got a guy who's very clearly, well, one airborne paratrooper, very cool air guy uh torpedo sea guy snow job we've got a arctic where we're branching out into this cool all white uniform with this red beard which what a cool decision that was to give him that bright red beard as opposed oh, yeah. to going with yeah. just the blonde or the black of the earlier series because uh, because imagine how di- well you don't have to imagine because they've released a snow job with a black beard or a brown was it brown it was like one of the 90s reissues.
2: Yeah, I think he had a dark brown beard in yeah. one of those 90s.
0: Very boring. Nobody wants yep. that. We want our ginger snow job. <laughs>
2: uh, but also, I also love the diversity. You were talking about, like, you know, Airborne. Airborne was the first Native American character. Yes. And even in the first year, you had an African-American character. You had a Latino character. You had a woman. Um, and then in this year, once again, we have uh, another African-American character, another woman. We have our first... Um, Uh, Our first Native American character, and, you know, that's not something that a lot of toy lines were doing at that time. Let's not
0: overlook our first Cajun character. That's true, that's true. (laughs) And and our first Hawaiian character in Torpedo. Yeah, Ah! yeah, absolutely. And it was, uh, you know, that's... It's cool that, again, like I said, somebody very clearly wanted Scarlet in that first series and somebody again very clearly was planning these things out this wasn't just a well let's give them different skin tones because you look at those file cards and their ethnicities are worked into their backgrounds it's not it's not just a color of plastic like it's part of their character which is very cool uh going to the vehicles well first of all let's talk about the accessories, because there's a very big difference in some of the accessories here as well. You know, Whereas before, you might get a backpack and a gun or the helmet with the visor. Now we're getting things that are very different, very specific to the characters, and you're getting more. Torpedo comes with a backpack, two flippers, and the spear gun. Tripwire has his mind detector, his backpack, and three little mines that are so easily lost. Did you guys, the last time... And actually, I want to take a little pause here to address something. Uh, I have to put this out there. It's it's common knowledge, and I hate it, but I didn't take care of my Joes after I left home. They got put up in the attic. Uh, some of them got sold off. Some of them got damaged by the Georgia attic heat. Uh, so my my G.I. Joe collection that I had when I was a kid is, is no more, uh, which is horrible, but it's what it is. But the last time I remember sort of taking stock and being aware of the condition of my Joes, I was always very, very careful with them. Uh, I kept all the pieces. I was aware of where everything was. If I lost one of Tripwire's mines, I wouldn't go to bed until I found it. (laughs) Uh, I was insane. I kept every little thing dusty. The little... uh, stand for Dusty's gun that nobody has I had that Mm -hmm. Uh, I was on top of that stuff how were you guys were you that obsessed about it or were you more casual
1: when it comes to the figures accessories I also had a younger brother um, so inevitably no matter how much I tried to keep everything together guns backpacks stuff like that would get lost. Ugh. Amongst my group of friends, and even the kids that lived on my block, and I don't know if it's because it was more grounded in reality, G.I. Joe was the one toy line where it seemed like everybody wanted to really battle or damage their toys. Mm. It, it, like, I can remember um, the kid a couple of houses down would always have firecrackers
3: with his G.I. Joes,
1: or sparklers, and it would drive me crazy. And I would always try to convince them, you know, if you're going to break them, I'll trade you this He-Man figure for that. (laughs) That's how I got a dragonfly. Because I I I just could not understand, why would you break your toys on purpose? Yeah. Um, uh, so, and the Joes were definitely more delicate. I mean, I had quite a few Joe's that you know didn't have thumbs because those guns, especially on the earlier figures um you know they they have to kind of sit in their hand at an angle as opposed to straight ahead, and when you're a little kid, you maybe don't grasp that until <laughs> you lose a few thumbs, yeah yeah, um, and those o rings um. So I definitely treated my Joes more delicate than some of the other figures.
0: I, I loved playing with them outside because, as I'm sure everybody remembers, the commercials were of these incredible battle landscapes that were in none of our yards because they're made by production designers. (laughs) But you want to go out and drive the vamp around like in the jungle. You want to have like all these cool scenes. And we had a big sandbox in the back. And I remember my dad would get so mad because me and my buddy would dig this huge trench through the sandbox (laughs) and run water through it. And I'm talking big enough to run the the killer whale, the hovercraft through. Oh wow. <laughs> wow. Yeah. That's a big like, toy. We were we were digging like in drowned under the sandbox. Uh, and we <laughs> would just bring the hose up and just leave the hose running. And uh, I guess I learned a lot probably about uh landscaping by doing that. <laughs> but
2: I actually I actually did have that dream backyard in the house that I lived in for one year between '84 and '85 in Winston-Salem, North Carolina, that was like perfectly terraced. It had like these railroad ties to kind of because oh, we yeah, lived on yeah, a little yeah. lake. Yes, so it was you know you'd have like a road tie, but if, and if you stood back, it was like it was like one of those majestic like cliffs, the Aztecs, you know, uh, fortresses or temples, and so. Uh, and it had like vegetation all over the place and so I I recreated all sorts of uh, amazing battles there at least in my memory now I
0: remember them being you know just epic at the time I'm sure they were and that's Uh, absolutely were (laughs) but after playing outside I would like I would bring everything in and clean it all myself like nothing got left outside ever I was horrified by kids who left just any toys outside like that but I'd bring them in and probably just throw them in the bathtub with myself uh, and, and which clean. also wasn't a good
2: idea because then you got rusty right screws you
0: learn later exactly and what's hilarious though is if you if you have the opportunity to look through old collections of G.I. Joes the aquatic themed figures always have the worst screws so like at least when yeah. we're all playing right like, nobody <laughs> nobody had Wild Bill doing undersea missions. <laughs> so, with the second series, we get in even deeper. We get the Sky Striker. We get the Hiss Tank. One of the most iconic toy vehicles of all time. Yes. Uh, or c- c- certainly, as far as bad guy vehicles go.
2: Yeah, and, and that was... I mean, there were no... The Cobra had no vehicles up to that point. That, that was the first one that came out. Um, so just having something that amazing, that iconic, uh and it's just so striking. it's just plain black. the toy itself, like the treads you 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 got spoiled with the mobat the year before, but that was a really expensive toy, yeah, and this was you know I think the the his tank probably retailed at like
0: nine or ten dollars back in eighty three when it came out well, and the thing is, like in reality, yes, i ideally, moving treads are great, but the mobat was such a chunk of shit it just <laughs> it, you you turn it on and it very slowly crept across the floor it wasn't exciting like it was cool that it moved on its own but I'd much rather have the hiss with the wheel you know the little wheels built into the fake treads that you could move right. as fast as you wanted it could maneuver like that's a better toy
1: yeah it was futuristic while still being grounded in reality and the hiss tank driver, I think, is incredibly striking. Terrifying. Oh,
2: yeah. And, and the the color choices they did a lot with the vehicle drivers where they would often complement the color of the vehicle so well and not just, like, be the same exact color. Um, like, jumping ahead a year, but, like, looking at Wild Weasel against the Rattler um, and the hiss driver against the hiss, um, always loved that, the way they did that.
0: Uh, and then we also have... The Wolverine, which is a grounded vehicle, but I think they kind of souped up an existing design and and made it a little more toyetic. But comes with Covergirl, who is a female vehicle driver. So now, you know, not only do we have female soldiers, but we have females operating heavy machinery, launching tons of rockets. Like, another cool and in 1983 very forward thinking concept Mm -hmm. to present to the general public anyway yeah and then okay so we've got our two Big Mac container drivers in tan grunt and then the cobra with the silver logo (laughs) and then I'm looking at the silver version of Flash with grunt's head Grand Slam.
2: What the heck was he with? So that was, so there were two Grand Slams. The first Grand Slam was released with the, uh, the HAL, the heavy artillery laser. The second
0: Grand Slam was released with the jump. Okay, okay. And yeah, and now that, well, and it's, it's funny because the HAL, I don't even think of as coming with a figure. Yeah. Because later on, they would release things like that that did not come with figures. But yeah, the MMS and the HAL both had a figure with them. They weren't vehicles. They were towable by the vamp, which was another incredible feature.
2: Well, and that goes back to the first year. I never had an MMS as a kid. And because I didn't start reading the comics a little bit later on, I didn't know that Hawk was leader of the Joes and still, until... Oh, yeah, yeah. Much later, because he was a vehicle, he was a vehicle driver,
0: and he was just green. He was just a green yeah. guy. I think, I'll, honestly, before I had any references, I think I had Clutch as the main guy. <laughs> uh, I, I would have to sit down and take some sort of memory enhancing drugs to to really recollect that. But when we were talking about Clutch earlier, when I looked at him, I was like, was he in command at first?
2: Well, I didn't have a Stalker, but to me, Stalker seemed like the leader because he had a beret. And to me, that meant that you were in a a position of power.
0: It does seem like a more important hat. Yes. Uh, And then, finally, of course, the... really one of the most iconic Joe vehicles of all time, the Dragonfly. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And a great
2: action feature on it that unfortunately tends to go bad after a while, but uh, the spinning helicopter blades. And also the hook. I think the hook is underrated.
0: Well, no, that, to me... The blades are cool, but as a little kid, you can't realistically keep those things going forever. Mm -hmm. Uh, But that winch with the grappling hook—that was a center of my play for these first two years. Like any anything where you can like rescue a figure from the ground and then reel them in. That opens up so many different scenarios, like, for playing with your toys. I love, I'm a big sucker for any kind of, like, winch, grapple hook situation. And then our mail-in, uh, Duke, who basically was the leader of the Joes for the first few years. Like, once the cartoon hit, that was kind of it.
2: Yeah, I mean that's they they portrayed him as the leader of the group. They never he never really had any superiors in the cartoon until '86 when they released Talk,
0: and then uh, looking down, I see the 1.5 you mentioned that are the upgrades with the swivel arms. But mm-hmm. out of out of the actual second series, uh, my favorite's Airborne. Uh, I, I just I love the design. I love the uh, he, he's just a great great figure. Uh, which is hard to to say because again you've got Doc with the stretcher stretcher another item that opens up so much play potential. Oh yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I've got to go with Airborne on this one. What about you, Christian? Out of this group, wait, I, I think I think we might have already hit on it.
1: Well, on this on the second year, um, actually, over the years it's changed, and I I I go to Doc now um sort of he has a specific role that totally gets overlooked in most toy lines and thinking back on it me and my friends we actually were always using that stretcher there were always joe's getting hurt yes yes on the battlefield and you had to get them out of there so it's doc all the way for me
0: Yeah, Doc was critical. I mean, he went on every mission because typically when I was playing, things centered around people getting captured. So you'd send somebody out on a mission, and they'd be doing whatever they were doing on a mission. And I don't even know that I ever had a point. It was just, it's time for a mission. And a guy would take a helicopter and go on a mission. Uh, And he'd get captured. And then you'd have to send out, like, the team to go get him back. And Doc went on every single mission because you have to have the medic guy with the stretcher because somebody's getting wounded in some way every time. Yep. <laughs> and uh, Noel, what about you? what's you What's your favorite from this assortment? I think so. the
2: The Cobra assortment from this year, or the the, the villi- enemy, for call them enemies. Um, because I didn't have a lot of these figures as a kid, I, um, I mean, I loved, I, I had Tripwire, I loved him, I had, uh, Torpedo, I loved him, um, but Major Blood was one of the figures of all the entire run. Um, he's, there's nothing really that, uh, you know, unique about mean, He's got a, he's got this eye patch, and he's got this weird, like, what looks like a robotic arm, and it's weird, because it doesn't, it doesn't have any articulation. Um, but, Once again, characterization, reading that file card for the first time, he became one of my favorite characters, and thus kind of associated with that with the actual figure. Um, So he's always been a favorite of mine.
0: Well, moving on to the following year, which we have to do, and I'll tell you right now, I'll tell you guys and I'll tell the listeners, we are probably going to cut off at 87 for for multiple reasons that we'll get to. (laughs) Uh, 1984, another incredible year with innovation, different things. We're back to 11 figures in the single carded assortment. But uh, four enemies this time around Baroness, Firefly, Scrap Iron, and Storm Shadow. And then our Joes, we have Blowtorch, a carded version of the Mail Away Duke, Mutt, Rakondo, Ripcord, Roadblock, and Spirit, who. It's weird to me. I, for some reason, and maybe I got Spirit earlier than all of the rest of these, but to me, Spirit seems like an older figure than the rest of this wave. Like, I feel like I had him way before. (laughs) So I don't know if there was, like, maybe a little bit of a pause and getting things, or maybe, you know, I got him early in the year and I got everything else at Christmas. I'm not sure how it went down, but I don't typically relate him to these Joes. Do you guys have any like anomalies like that where you go back and you look at these assortments and you're like, oh, weird! I didn't realize this one was was this much newer or this this much older.
2: Well, I, it always—I mean, I remember her coming out at the time, but retroactively, I think because she was so important in the first series of or the like the first few issues of the comic, that it took that long for the Baroness to get a toy made out of her is still mind blowing at this point. So I still think of her as an earlier character because she was, um, but the figure didn't come out until 84. That is kind of crazy.
1: Yeah. Uh, so no, we- I'm, I'm with you, Phantom, though, because Spirit was the first figure I got from this wave. Um, and so I always think of him as a, a second wave.
0: Yeah, I. I that's figure. that's who I typically put him with, and it's because he's one of the most exciting figures. He's this cool. He's got this cool Native American look. He came with Freedom, which was a huge selling point. Yep. How do you mm-hmm. want to sell a figure to American kids? Put a bald eagle in there. <laughs> Done. Well, we got we got our first of our animals that year with uh, both
2: Spirit uh, with Freedom and uh, Mutton Junkyard.
0: Yes. Yep. Uh, another great, great accessory laden figure. Uh, actually, all of these. Well, not all of them. And, and this is funny because looking at Rakondo, I remembered him coming because that Australian outback style hat. I believe this was the same year Crocodile Dundee came out. So, I think Crocodile Dundee came out a little bit. I think it was
2: '86. But yeah, was it? That it was much definitely later. I think so. Um, I don't think it was 84, because I, I, I'm pretty sure that I was living here by the time that it came out. But, uh, yeah, it, it, there was a lot of that, like, Australian... Australian
0: Australia was cool, for yeah. whatever reason. Maybe it wasn't Crocodile Dundee related at the time. It but cause 19... Minute Work was so cool. And they well, did that song, true. Down Under. That's true. And then, you know, that when you're a kid, sometimes that's all it takes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we've got Firefly, who comes with a veritable ton of accessories. Uh, Mutt. Including one of the most lost accessories of all time. That that damn phone. phone. I just bought a Firefly on eBay for a very good price, but he comes with a reproduction phone, and it's white for some reason. Uh. Why wouldn't you just print it in green plastic? (laughs) I feel like that's doable, but whatever. I had to have a Firefly, because I don't have one at all. Uh, just just another cool assortment. Another making another cool variety of specializations uh, among these painted figures. Talking about great accessories,
2: the my favorite. I'll go ahead and, and, and shoot my load on my favorite figure from this assortment is Scrap Iron, um, who essentially came with his own like vehicle. Almost it was such a big accessory.
0: Yeah, his blister card looks so much different from everyone else's because of that giant. Uh, what is it wasn't an anti-tank system. What? What is yeah. it marketed as? Yeah, like a yeah,
2: rocket launcher system, anti-tank. System. It's impressive and it's oh my died. gosh!
0: Somebody just fell out of their house. <laughs> Christian, are you okay? Yeah. Is there, or is that Noel? That was not me. We had some kind of insane interference coming from somewhere. That's okay. We're not. It's because we're getting into too much detail. Cobra doesn't want us discussing the nature <laughs> of their specialists' weapon systems. Classify yeah. Mars
2: Industries is, uh, you know, they're they're tapping into our phone lines.
0: I'm probably going to get sued for copyright. <laughs> uh, so anyway, great, great lineup, uh, and then vehicles. I, it's no secret at all I've said it all over the place I finally bought one last year Killer Whale my favorite toy vehicle of all time like not even G.I. Joe favorite toy favorite toy of all time is uh, that hovercraft the Killer Whale uh, I bought one that was like 90% intact and over time I've picked up a couple of pieces here and there so it's it's very close to being pristine uh, Cutter one of look I like Cutter He's cool, but really one of the most boring figures <laughs> in the entire G.I. Joe collection. Well, I thought it he was Magnum like...
2: P.I. When, when that figure came out. <laughs> uh, <laughs> he mean, had a mustache, just... he had a ball cap.
1: I was like, is this Magnum P.I. driving this thing? Yeah, that, like... When you look at how cool Copperhead is, right? compared to Cutter... <laughs> <laughs> uh
0: with all
1: of the you know. little
0: with all of the little tweaks that they made to things that exist in reality and like things that they did to make the the figures more cool and appealing that big orange life vest made it past like design <laughs> even even if they just made it a different color but he's so but but he goes with the whale so I gotta love him uh, and then we also get, and, and I'm a huge fan. One of my like toy weaknesses is anything aquatic themed. I love any toys that are meant to interact with the water in any way, or even just characters who are who are divers or, or sailors or whatever the case may be. So we get not just the killer whale in this assortment, but also the water moccasin, which is one of the coolest water yeah. toys. Ever yeah, released? It's a great little toy, and, and then um, uh, unfortunately,
2: we also got Deep Six, which was
3: <laughs> he's
2: uh, a, thro- a sh-
0: he's a throwback to like a play school figure.
2: Yeah, so. and Deep Six because I had the shark; it was one of the the vehicles I had in this in this wave, and the vehicle was kind of disappointing. Um, but the figure was like, "What is this?" <laughs> and just just a step back after everything else that GI Joe had released up to that point. Yeah, nobody
1: wanted to be him when we played.
0: No, no. Well, and what's funny is the shark, when I was a kid, I loved the shark. You know why I loved the shark? Because it was in every freaking episode of the show. Yeah. They used that thing all the time. Like, they wouldn't even be near the ocean. They'd be like, we better get in the shark and fly to the Cobra headquarters. Like, that, something about that vehicle must have been very, very cost-effective because they were pushing the shit out of it.
2: Well, it was the the only other uh, aerial vehicles Joe had at that point were expensive ones. You had the Dragonfly, you had the Sky Striker, and a lot of kids couldn't afford that. And you could probably get that Shark at a $10 price point, so more kids could beg their parents to buy that for them.
0: Yeah, yeah, very true. Good point. Because it did have that, you know, went underwater and it flew, which look, I, I don't want to undersell the thing it had the cool clear cockpit and i gotta say like that's a cool look on a toy when it has that clear plastic over the cockpit it's it, something about that is just very cool and appealing to me it had the little guns that slid up out of the wings those are cool, cool. Yeah, They're very yeah. cool the uh the the figure
2: uh backpack pegs that We're supposed to hold the torpedoes and didn't, and then we're supposed to hold the figures and didn't. Yeah, yeah. We're always disappointing.
0: Yeah. Uh, So, cool, probably better idea than execution, but a central piece of the G.I. Joe, you know, of the 80s. And then we get the Rattler. Oh, such a beautiful piece of art. Such a beautiful piece of art. That is so, so hard to find intact, because it came okay. with 8,000 rockets.
2: Well, and it also came with panels that you couldn't keep on the vehicle all at the same time. Because you had the battle damage pal- uh, panels, as well as the intact panels. So, you're probably not going to find all of them in the same toy.
0: I am almost positive... I th- I was never a big fan of battle damage when I was a kid. Um even when it was swappable like that. Mm-hmm. I think I just straight up threw away the battle damage panels. So. <laughs> <laughs> I just got the Vipers. <laughs> <laughs> the Vipers? What? <laughs> He'll be here Tuesday. Uh, and then we got an interesting thing. We get a repaint of Clutch that is still Clutch. It's not like a different character, just Clutch in different colors. And he comes with the Vamp Mark II. Which was
2: I, which I ignored at the time, because I, I had the original Vamp. I was like, well, I don't want another Vamp that's just different colors. But it's such a great toy. Um, they did so many tweaks to that to make it so much better than the original, mold-wise. I mean, the first one's always going to be the most iconic, but that second Vamp is such a nice nice piece.
0: Well, and the other interesting thing is, with that second issue of grunt that came with the glider and with this new issue of clutch uh they're going with these desert colors which reflects changes that were going on in the military because as soon as we got out of vietnam they started training for desert conditions make of that what you will go down any little google conspiracy holes you want to but that is a fact of what was going on in the military at the time so hasbro was on top of that and you know updating these figures to reflect those changes Uh so uh, sorry, I didn't mean to blow everybody's mind there. <laughs> uh, so out of out of this third series, what kind of favorites are we looking at? We didn't touch on every vehicle, but uh, this, you know, the Stinger, Stinger cool. is iconic too. It's it's cool. I never had the Stinger or the Vant Mark II.
2: See, neither, neither did I growing up either. And but oh, I, I love those pieces so much now. Um, they're they, they you, you they're not just straight you know, repaints of the original Vamp. They they could have have different weapons on them, but they also, like, remolded the details on the hood and things like that. So, all those things are, you know, just a lot of attention to detail that most of the toy lines wouldn't have done for something that most people aren't even going to notice.
1: Yeah, this was the year, as much as I had received vehicles for the previous years, this was the year where vehicles were in demand for yeah. me yeah, um, yeah. the Slugger, the Skyhawk um, I actually uh, never had the first version of VAMP so this VAMP Mark II uh, was it and um, the Cobra Claw oh yeah which was great because
2: it was like $3 and you could have a bunch yeah. of them if you wanted them
1: and of course, the I already mentioned it before, the water moccasin. Um, great looking boat, great looking pilot. Everything about that is a hit. And, you know, Zartan and his Swampier came out in
2: 84 as well. Which is yep. funny to
0: think of Zartan as being a vehicle driver. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah. I
2: mean, he came with a small... I mean, he was a, a, a deluxe figure. There were a few in the line like that that came with a small vehicle so they could kind of upsell him a little bit because... Zartan was a character that was a little bit, you know, he was a little bit more interesting than most of the other Carded figures that came out that year. Um, you know, he, he had this gimmick to him, and, you know, he was... He had, a again, a file card that talked about, you know, being a paranoid schizophrenic, which, <laughs> when you're nine years old reading that, you're like, what does that mean? And you're suddenly looking through your World Book Dictionary or World Book Encyclopedia trying to find out what what
0: all that means. Oh, no, I went and asked my mom... And she was like, why are you asking me this? Uh, So, another great year, and one that, you know, Christian, you mentioned something really interesting. Vehicles, by you, vehicles were very much in demand. But I think this was the year where G.I. Joe vehicles really became, like, G.I. Joe was the big thing. G.I. Joe vehicles everybody wanted them because I remember having trouble finding a killer whale Uh, and and how I eventually got one is when I learned about sales tax (laughs) because (laughs) I had enough money for the MSRP but did not have enough to cover sales tax and my dad to let me learn a lesson was going to not make up the difference he, we were going to leave the store without the the killer whale because I did not have enough money for it uh, and Man. My, fortunately, my grandfather stepped in and and gave me the you know dollar seventeen or whatever it was <laughs> uh, to to cover it but yeah, that's the situation I was in but yeah, I remember uh this with this series and and with these vehicles a little bit of hunting was involved for some of these. Whereas before I don't really remember having to put effort into like looking around waiting or whatever. And, and you know, maybe it also things changed a little bit. This might've been a year. I was eight years old. I think I was getting to the point where I was doing chores a little bit. Maybe I had my own money. So it was less of Christmas and birthday and more of looking for things throughout the year.
1: Yeah, I want to say it was around this wave, uh, where I grew up in Indiana, we had Children's Palace, not Toys R Us, and so the town next door got a Children's Palace, and walking in and just seeing what looked like, you know, rows and rows and rows of G.I. Joe versus the smaller department stores that were, you know, like my 3Ds, my TGI Fridays, the hills, TGF, right, it's TGNY's um, The Hills, um, you know, where it would be, here's a section, but then finally having those you know, big box toy stores where that's all they carried, it's funny because I feel like starting around this period is when I no longer had to hunt and hunt and go without a figure that I wanted it would just be, okay, let me convince mom and dad to take us to Evansville so we can go to the Children's Palace, and I know I can get, I'll find what I need.
0: Interesting, and that's, you know, now that you say that, we had we had Lionel Playworld here for as long as I can remember. And Toys R Us opened maybe this year or the year before. It was 83 or 84 because I went to the opening of the first Toys R Us in this area, probably in Georgia, but in this area at Northlake Mall, uh, and Mr. T was there. Hey. I met Mr. Wow. T. Uh, and they also had a Darth Vader and some Care Bears and uh, you know various other things. It, it was things weren't like they are now. I have no pictures whatsoever of any of this
1: because we just didn't do that back then. Uh, Well, I'm probably getting ahead of ourselves, but since you mentioned Mr. T, as time went on in my Joe collecting, it did surprise me that Mr. T never became a celebrity Joe. Oh, yeah. When you look at all the other celebrities who either did become a Joe or were in talks to become a Joe. He was a Joe in my
2: collection because the A-Team figures yes, by Galoob yes. were also three and three quarters that had almost the same ah. articulation. So, uh, yeah, I had a B.A. Barakas uh, who joined Joe
0: on some missions. I, I got, without getting on too much of a tangent, one year for Christmas, I got the A-Team Battle playset that came with this big, giant mat. But the A-Team figures that it came with were all in their military costumes. so it was like those went right in with my joes they were just a special brand of gi joe at that point (laughs) uh so moving on to 1985 and and which is
2: probably my favorite year of joes
0: well and for the listeners uh i know we're skipping over like vehicles that were sold separately vehicles that didn't have pilots for the sake of Maybe we'll do a whole episode just about the vehicles oh, at some point. yeah.
1: Actually, let me jump up and make, touch on one thing super, super Please quick. Please do. As a kid, many of those smaller, quote-unquote, like, playsets, like the watchtower, stuff like that, um, didn't hold as much of an appeal to me because look at the Skyhawk versus sure, sure. a watchtower. As an adult collector, looking at all of those... Diorama and world building things that they gave the Joes that today would never happen is astonishing. We as kids, I don't think we realized how lucky
2: we were. Accessory packs and things like that, and even things like the Watchtower. And then the, I mean, I probably got more play out of the checkpoint than just about any other toy because I would just build uh, a giant Fort Wadsworth in the living room of my that's, house.
0: That's exactly what I would do is I'd put all of those components together with that big silver headquarters.
2: Mhm. Which I never had, but I did I did use conveniently placed boxes to be like all the build all the the motor pool and I would just pretend that I could get down to the pit below it.
0: Well, that was the other thing is back in the 80s everything you bought came packed in styrofoam. Mhm. Mm-hmm. So oh, yeah. It, whether it was transformers or appliances or whatever you had these big giant styrofoam pieces that you could turn into like headquarters and play sets
2: yeah you use a magic mar- some Crayola magic markers and build a uh, build a big uh, computer panel on that styrofoam and you've got Joe headquarters yeah
0: absolutely uh, so so yeah i know we're we're uh, we're we're touching on what yo Joe's putting in front of us figure-wise and and uh, just having a fun conversation based on that. That, that actually, I'm not sure we're even going to make it to 87 tonight. We may end up <laughs> we may end up having to record a part two uh, because we're definitely hitting a time limit. I think what we're going to have to do here, guys, is hit 85 since Noel just identified it as his peak year, and record a second episode down the line. Maybe for, like, 4th of July or something. Let's do Ooh. it. Where we cover 86 and beyond. Don't threaten me with a good time. <laughs> so so let's wrap today's
2: up. And well, since we're going to do oh, that, can I not mention that 84 had my Cobra Commander? Because I didn't oh. have the original Cobra Commander. 84 was when the hooded Cobra Commander was released by MailWord. The and yes. to me, that is the quintessential Cobra Commander figure.
0: I always preferred the hooded version, uh, but I did use both, because when, you know, to me, Cobra Commander wasn't the coward he was in the cartoons. He was the the strategist and manipulator that the comic books portrayed, uh, and, and he did actually go into battle. Not, he went into battle in the cartoons, but to me, he would lead the Cobras into battle, and that's why I liked the silver faceplate one because that's the one where he'd suit up and, and lead cobra and inspire the troops with his you know crazy rhetoric or whatever
1: right yeah, there's there's something about being kidnapped or, or taken hostage and when you're looking at your enemy you're staring right back at your own face while they are trying to kill you
0: ooh it's a good point <laughs> that was probably covered in those really Dark, dark IDW comics at some point. <laughs> well, I always like
2: the idea. We kind of got to jump ahead a little bit there to '86, but the fact that the Vipers all had that silver faceplate to me—that was yeah. Silver Commander, who had uh, he was creating his armies in his own image at that point in time because he'd
0: become so mega maniacal. Deep very deep and never even that never even occurred to me. I just thought, "Ooh, they look cool." <laughs> uh so we get a huge batch of releases in uh in 85 and honestly, even if just by volume it's the banner year for the line, but we also get the Dreadnoughts. Oh get yeah. The Crimson Twins. We get Alpine and Bazooka We get the, what to most people is the definitive version of Snake Eyes. We get Flint, like, wow, Lady J, Quick Kick. Eels. Eels, another underwater operative. Somebody for Torpedo to battle against. Uh, What what a, and Cobra's troops get, well, okay, the enemy's troops really, really got reinforced in 1985, big time. Snow Serpent eels crimson guard the crimson twins all the dreadnoughts lots. vipers yeah yeah the televipers that uh how has it not happened that somebody's made a little custom televiper head with like a alert going across the front
2: well i, I mean i they they, they happen you know, i've seen them in you know real life uh one-to-one scale but not
0: in the toy scale Needs to happen. Might happen yeah. with this new 6-inch line, which which will be a different episode. <laughs> yeah. I had planned to talk about that tonight, but we've gotten uh, so in-depth with these figures uh, that we're not going to make it. So, uh, Airtight, who we mentioned earlier. Very cool figure. Kind of limited usage.
2: Yeah. And this was, this was the first year, aside from Snake Eyes, who didn't really count towards that because he was supposed to be mysterious. The first year you got Joes that had helmets that didn't come off. Which was, you know, you had him and Barbecue that came out this year, and that always kind of bothered me a little bit, well, especially because they took their helmets. Well, yeah, but Do- Dusty, you could still see his face, and Dusty and had so- the
0: cool Panama Jack flap.
2: Yes, yes. So I didn't mind Dusty not having a removal helmet. I mean, because for that matter, Alpine's hat didn't come off, but yeah, yeah. you know, the the fact that you couldn't see the faces of, of Airtight and Barbecue, um, even though they showed them all the time on the cartoon, that kind of bugged me.
0: Yeah, that's a good point, especially barbecue because he ended up being pretty central for a while. Yeah. So, looking at this collection of figures, Christian, do you have specific memories of these hitting and and what it felt like seeing all of these new faces?
1: Oh yeah! As soon as the Dreadnoughts and shipwreck hit, it it was it totally changed my my play style. The you know whereas Cobra was an army the dreadnoughts were pure chaos and uh i never as a kid paired up Zarthan and the dreadnoughts as cobra troopers they were their own force Same here to be to be reckoned with mm-hmm. um and the the fun i had with with shipwreck More so on uh, the stuff he used to do around the G.I. Joe headquarters to just mess with everybody as opposed to him out fighting. Uh, Very good childhood memories because he was quite the prankster. And then with
2: Shipwreck and the Dreadnoughts, all of them were featured uh, the year before in the cartoons, in the the series, uh, the five part because they were all introduced a year before the rest of the toys in this line. So they kind of feel like they're a little ahead of their time on that. Um, mm-hmm. But also, this is the year that they introduced a new point of articulation, where the neck is now on a ball joint oh. for most of the figures. Yeah, um, yeah The yeah. exception being the three original dreadnoks and Tollbooth uh, from the Toss and Cross Bridge layer.
1: Which I did not know until my, I think it was like second or third Dragon Con. That that is a real life, yeah, military vehicle. Oh, yeah, that's a thing. Yeah, and, and that, I, that when I saw that, I mind blown. The which I actually knew that as a kid, which is why I, I
2: loved that toy so much because it would lead things into battle. And talking, I had that had that terrace backyard, and I had like lots of large canyons, and that bridge layer would
0: would toss that bridge across her. by would pass over, and then it would go pick up the bridge. Well that's what's so funny about that bridge layer is I I knew that it was a real thing but it's because it was one of my dad's favorite vehicles because he was uh and he's an engineer he's a civil mm-hmm. engineer ah. and that like he just lit up looking at that thing and I I even remember him sort of challenging me like I I bet you think that's not a real thing and me may <laughs> be like well I don't know I'm I'm eight. I don't know what's real and what's not.
1: <laughs> but,
0: uh, yeah, I, I remember him, like, gleefully opening this thing up, putting it together, and having the mechanism and explaining that, like, well, this wouldn't quite work this way, but then once it was loud here, they would do this. Like, it just, he, he really dug that one. That was a favorite of his.
1: There's very few toys that my parents ever said no to. And the bridge layer was one of them because it just made no sense. <laughs> <laughs> what what the, is the totally point irate. of this? <laughs> um, so yeah, so lived my whole life thinking that was a pretty cheesy made-up vehicle, and lo and behold. Well, and it's funny because from a purely
0: play perspective, it really isn't one of the best toys because how many kids really have any kind of canyon scenario because that's what always bothered me about it is I never really had uh, I, I needed things to be physical and in front of me I couldn't just imagine some canyon that needed to be crossed I needed to make one and it's difficult to create like a ravine with enough land on either side to have vehicles moving and stuff it, just, it was a cool concept but for me it just didn't get a lot of use. Even in that sandbox with the water flowing into <laughs> it? What I was well <laughs> but the problem with that was we had made the the water so wide that the bridge layer wasn't wide enough. Or the bridge mm-hmm. wasn't wide enough. And to get the kind of height it just it, it never seemed to work out for poor toll booth.
2: <laughs> you also got in this series. You kind of got the first time that they really started replacing characters. Um, they were phasing out the you know the earlier characters. You now have a new version of Snake Eyes, but you know, you need a new infantry trooper. We've got Footloose. Um, you need a new uh, a, a guy who carries a, a large shoulder-mounted rocket launcher. You've got Bazooka now uh, to phase out Zap. Um, I always thought that was kind of interesting that uh, they would kind of reassign certain roles to new guys and to me it was when the older guys were kind of retiring
0: well and even you know Scarlet and Duke are being replaced by Lady J and Flint mm-hmm. uh and Flint
2: was such uh, Flint was my like my favorite leader character up to that point like he was leading my missions by 85
0: oh yeah Flint was yeah he again berets man so yeah yeah you're, you're a big beret fan over there uh Flint just looks so cool, though. Again, I was a sucker anytime somebody actually had camouflage deco, that immediately put them closer to the top of my pile. Like, mm-hmm. that was always a huge selling point for me. I love Dusty with his desert camo. Uh, he just had such a great look. And then that soft goods, like I said, the Panama Jack flap. Uh, very, very cool, distinctive look. And, and named after... One of the Joe Lyons creators, Ron Rudat, Rudat. Good, old, good old Dusty Ronald Tater, tater. <laughs> or or
2: he was actually Dusty Rudat in the cartoon. They they just used his his actual name and didn't reverse it there.
0: But uh, yeah, uh, incredible assortment. But then we moved down. We talk about the vehicles a little bit. We we discovered the we had the Bridge Layer, the striker, which to me basically retired the Vamp.
2: Yeah, the ball striker was such a great, such a great toy. The
0: the it functional is. shocks on that thing. I was about to mention the other yeah, suspension changed everything. Now, did you did with when you guys got a hold of it. First of all, did everybody have it? Oh yeah. I did not. Oh, I had the
1: Vamp Mark II.
0: Oh right, yeah. So we we, we skipped. We went back and forth. Between us, we would have had a full collection. Um, <laughs> yeah, that striker was just something else. And then Crankage is a great-looking pilot. Yeah,
2: just, uh, I mean, you know, he's, he's one of those kind of plain military-looking guys, but I liked a lot of those, you know, just guys that looked like they were actually in the Army. Well, he has a very cavalry to look
0: to him, though. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then the, which I can't ever get the name, it's, is it just the Snowcat cat? Yeah, the snowcat. Yeah, I always feel like the name should be more exciting for some reason. <laughs> uh, but what a great vehicle! Again, a specialized vehicle. Uh, you've you've got Arctic, you've got Snow Job and Frostbite. Get to hang out and do cool Arctic missions now. Even though in the cartoons, everybody gets a jacket. Uh, and the figures, well, except for I think Quick Kick at one point was running around in the North Pole with no shirt on.
2: And of course you got your first celebrity Joe that uh, drove the uh, the um the snowcat in Kenny Loggins. They called him Frostbite for some reason.
0: What? <laughs> <laughs> now, shouldn't they have made Kenny Loggins a jet pilot wouldn't that have made more sense?
2: <laughs> but they they would have had to wait till 86 for that.
0: No, that's Top, true.
2: Top Gun didn't come out till a year later. Yeah,
0: yeah, and then they would have had to release Ace and Wild Bill in uh Trunks with a volleyball set. <laughs> uh we get baller that came out that year
2: which is uh, you know I never had it never had it either um, actually a lot of, apparently a lot of people didn't because they're really hard to find in good condition and the driver heavy metal I think we were talking about this not too long ago just that figure loose without the that microphone that gets lost 99 point nine percent of the time um, just that figure alone goes for like forty or fifty dollars just loose in good
0: condition. Well, I seem to remember it being a very expensive vehicle for what it was. Yeah, and it was and it was mechanized, and it was even bigger than the MoBat. Yeah, I and mean, I I honestly think they should have left the the motor out of it and just made it a regular tank toy. Uh, the treads would have been fine to leave on there as long as they were free freewheeling. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, I, I never had it. I don't know if I even knew anybody that had
1: it. My best friend in elementary school had that and had the moray um oh and so the moray i do remember playing with those but i wasn't a fan of those mainly because i had the mobat and the Water Mountain. and the moray was incredible just mind-blowing
2: uh the working uh those working uh, skiffs on the bottom yeah
0: it was it was huge it held a ton of years, had lots of interactive parts, and was you know, it's crazy to me, when, when you look at a toy line and see something that is in in my opinion, the peak achievement of the toy line, which was the killer whale but then you see something like the hydrofoil that is successfully its enemy. Like, and they
2: and there was a, I mean, issue of the GI Joe comic where they pit those two yes. vehicles against each other, mm-hmm. and that was that was what really sold me on that toy. It was like I got to get this so I can have these awesome battles at sea. Um, but also, speaking of sea things, what was one of my <laughs> favorite playsets that came out that year uh, was the tactical battle platform.
0: Yes, loved it. Loved. Well, is- this was a very aquatic year, and we'll get to the centerpiece little
2: in a second. <clears throat> Which, yeah, I, th- I think that we've got a good reason to end on 85, you know, in in, yeah. in in hindsight. So,
0: 1985 brought us what is widely regarded as one of the most ambitious and incredible toys of all time.
1: The Trouble Bubble.
0: The Trouble yeah. Bubble. <laughs> we love the Trouble Bubble. That's why there's 80 of them in the opening of G.I. Joe the movie. It's because it's the greatest vehicle of all time. I, I legit do love the Trouble Bubble.
2: Uh, I never even had one. All downhill
1: from there.
2: But you know, it's it's a it's a toy that they showed a lot of, so it was a troop building toy, and they cost like three ninety nine at retail, so you could afford to go out and buy a bunch of them. Like Hasbro wasn't stupid.
0: Everybody had them, (laughs) and it was cool because the little jet portion on the back could come out and plug into a figure's back. Yep. Like it was always neat to find little Easter eggs like that. That. I'm not sure we're necessarily intended because I think it was just a standard peg and hole sizing that the line used. But there were a lot of little things like that that just sort of worked out that were cool.
2: Like the gas, like the gas pumps, which we'll probably talk about here in just a moment.
0: We absolutely will because we have to talk about the USS flag. And uh, yes, I was the douchey kid who got the USS flag for Christmas what? In 1985, and I'm the even douchier grown-up who didn't take care of it and doesn't have any of it anymore.
2: Womp, <laughs> uh, womp.
0: Yeah, it was... Yeah. This, this came... Uh, this was the, the big Santa present that year. Um, In previous years, Santa had actually would assemble things and leave them in little battle scenes under the tree. I remember my first, one of my first Christmases, uh, the Millennium Falcon, with a bunch of stormtroopers like, entering it, and Han and Chewie all set up under the tree. Uh, in 1985, the USS Flag was in a big giant box under the tree, not assembled. Um, I don't know if Santa made any kind of attempts or not, but that's that's how it was. But yeah, I got that thing for Christmas. And it became the center of everything that I did, toy-wise. Uh, it, it's massive. It's massive. Words cannot describe being a little kid, being a nine-year-old kid, sitting on the floor and having to like, scoot up and down this thing to play with every part of it. The working elevator. um, The incredibly shitty microphone loudspeaker thing that it came with. (laughs) Uh, I mean, it was seven and a half feet long, which
2: is impossible for me to wrap my brains around now, but, you know, to be four feet tall, to play with a seven and a half foot long toy that retailed at, like, $89.99 89.99 when it first came out also makes
0: me it makes my head want to explode if they were to rel- if they were to do a USS flag now in that scale uh it would easily be $800 oh yeah um because the the sail barge which by the way I have and was well worth it but the sail barge does not have as much as a flag would have to have as far as accessories and parts and and certainly size, uh, it's it's not even close. Uh, but if if Haslab if Hasbro wanted to go back to Haslab and do a flag, I would one hundred percent be in on it.
2: Which uh, you know, I, there's a, there's a limited audience. There's a lot of Joe fans out there, but they're in kind of a small bubble uh, as a as a mainstream property. Oh yeah, yeah. I don't know if will if it'll ever. Have legs again, just because it's kind of tied to a certain part of our history, right. and I think that the uh, the efforts to update it have been looked at so poorly by the hardcore Joe fans. It's not like Transformers, which has managed to evolve over the years, and you can because there's still cars and trucks and things like that. You can still have those transform, but with GI Joe, mm-hmm. you know, realistic military is not going to sell to a
0: lot of people. Well, and also with Transformers, it's it's not even necessarily cars and trucks, because if you look at things like Beast Machines that did really well, like, it's basically one thing transforms into another thing, and if, yeah. you, if you hit that, you're pleasing some segment of that fandom, whereas yep. with G.I. Joe, it it has to have that military center, and we're in a time now where the military is not viewed as it was in the 80s
2: yeah and there's a I and mean, you see that the backlash on some of these these new comic series that have come out um where they they get away from that and they've they've gender swapped and uh done a lot more like socially aware stories and uh, there are some gi joe fans who act like their entire childhood's being pissed on by that which i don't understand that mentality um but those are the people who are going to be that's a very small hardcore group that's going to buy something like an eight hundred dollar u s s flag um,
0: yeah. I think it, there's there is a line that has to be towed that can be done successfully, but unfortunately in the world of big business which is which is where toys lie uh there aren't a lot of people who can manage that. You have to be very smart, you have to be very creative and I don't know that there's a lot of that out there in the big toy companies right now. No. Uh, but to, to move along, to, to wrap things up with 1985, uh, this USS flag. Now, did either you, neither of you guys had the flag, I'm guessing. I didn't, I
2: didn't own the flag, but the year that I moved to Georgia was in 1985. Um, my best friend had it, and I got to spend an entire summer uh in his house while he was over in the u k uh visiting family <laughs> while we were having our house built here in Georgia, so I had a flag for about three months of my life, and I woke I would set my alarm for like six in the morning every day and just run down there and start having battles
0: yeah it was it was so exciting just to take vehicles and just see. How many of the jets at the point that were out at that point? Which actually, really, all we had because the Conquest didn't come out. I don't think until the next year. No, yep. the Conquest was this year, right? Conquest was eighty six. That no, was eighty six. Okay, uh, so really, at that point, all we had was the Sky Striker. So I had a Skystriker, a Dragonfly. Was the the Airhawk was out? The Skyhawk, yeah. No, Skyhawk. Oh, Skyhawk, Skyhawk. Um, so there, re- there wasn't a lot There's to put on it yet. The shark always went on the elevator yeah, because it would launch directly into the ocean. Uh, and that's, man, that elevator, it worked. It worked the whole yeah. time I had that thing. It never broke. I never had any mechanical issues with it. Um, and yeah, you know that storage under there, underneath the deck where
2: you could store vehicles oh, that yeah. weren't in
0: use. Yeah, I feel like at one point I tried to put parts of the Silver headquarters under... There, like, break them down and try and actually make headquarters areas, but it wasn't it wasn't high enough. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's just that that huge main portion uh, with all of the the rooms and stuff and the command room and uh, just everything. It was it was incredible. It was incredible. Yeah. What an ambitious, brilliant thing! Thing like that. I mean, had come
2: really before, and nothing ever after that. No, I mean, the closest. Was
0: the closest we had before was probably the Death Star playset. to so say Eternia for Masters of the Universe. Was that before was, this? Uh, I was, that was like '86. Was, was it '86? I okay, feel, so I feel like the success of the flag is what encouraged Eternia, but I I, I might have that wrong.
2: And, and you're probably right. It's probably yeah, it's probably '86. Um, but yeah, I mean, that, I'm just saying as far as comparable sets go, Eternia is probably the only thing that's that's in that size. Sure. Comparison.
0: Sure. Yeah, eighty six is when the attorney of at play set. I, I just I had to go look that up because if Bo does happen to listen to this, he's going to be mad at <laughs> me if I get that wrong. Uh, what was interesting is as big an investment as this was at the time because you you know eighty nine ninety nine in nineteen eighty five dollars is very different from eighty nine ninety nine and now dollars it was it was a big investment for a child's toy but it's interesting that it didn't suddenly it like at no point was it really the focus of the cartoon no as a matter of
2: fact they sunk the thing
0: right <laughs> as soon as they could i i and I remember there's an episode later on where uh they raise it back up, but I, I feel like there are only really two episodes that are specifically about the flag.
2: Yeah, it's it's featured in a lot of episodes. Uh, it's you know it's a place where things take place, uh, but that's kind of the thing it has to be in those sorts of stories. You can't just have a bunch of episodes about the flag because. Right. You're still gonna have a limited number of children who can whose parents can afford that flag for them.
0: Even as a so. setting, though, like you'd you'd think it would have become all of a sudden everything Cobra is doing is at sea. <laughs> like you'd think a, a whole. Although looking back, there's only
2: two seasons of the show. Yeah, that's that's there only yeah. two two full seasons. Uh, now in the comic they did a lot of aquatic stuff you had an entire story arc about cobra forming their own country in in, an island cobra island so you were able to deploy the flag a lot in those stories um so they i mean they they advertised it i think they advertised it probably the the adequate amount for a toy of that size because it wasn't going to be for everybody that's why you had trouble bubbles and cobra claws um you know skyhawks and sharks and little things that were you know at a smaller price point that were featured all over the place you know, G.I. Joe was more about, like, we've got a bunch of these figures. They cost $3 at most retailers, and, you know, that's doing doing your, uh, you know, helping your parents do laundry and making your bed a couple times in the week would net you enough to
0: go get that. Like And like I said, at that point I was doing chores. I think I was getting, like, $5 a week for who knows what I was actually doing. I remember at some point—I don't know when it was—my allowance went from three dollars a week to five dollars a week, and that was a huge deal. And you were like, cha ching Yes, yeah,
1: that was two figures of most toy lines during that yeah. time period.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, guys, uh, we have to wrap up this portion of the conversation. Looking back at what we've discussed, if if you could have any one One of these, or any one figure in any one vehicle, pristine boxed in front of you, like you just picked it up off the shelf from Children's Palace or Lionel Play World or wherever. One figure in one vehicle from '82
1: to '85. What would it be, Uh, Christian? For figures, uh, I'm I'm gonna go. Actually it's a figure and vehicle. I'm I'm gonna go with the water moccasin and copperhead. It's sleek, it's sharp, and I still think he's one of the most badass looking cobras. I agree, I always
0: loved that figure. I loved how his colors were different from anything else that they had done at that point. Uh but but still had like a sinister evil vibe. hmm Yeah, that's a great set. Noel?
2: Uh, I think for figures go, just because I don't have one and probably won't unless I get stuck in front of eBay after way too many responsible drinks one night. <laughs> um, I never have had a Scarlet. Um, I love that figure, and I would love to have one in pristine condition, but uh, that's that's going to cost you a fortune. So, yeah, to have one of those in a, in a nice, pristine package, um, almost almost wouldn't want a pristine package because, you know, I'm going to open it up and display it. Um, but uh, And then, of course, is V go. <clears throat> it's A, the flag, just because it's the biggest and the the grandest. Um, eh, I would probably say maybe the Killer Whale, maybe even the Sky Striker, just uh, to have one, like, like, put those stickers on for the first time. I and mean, that was always kind of a joy was applying those stickers for the very first time on a new toy.
0: You know, I just realized we didn't hit our favorites from uh, 1984. Oh cool. yeah. And and for me, I'll I'll go ahead and say since this is my figure pick as well, uh, Firefly. Just always loved that figure. I would love to have a pristine one to open fresh and feel like those joints still nice and tight. Everything just crisp and clean. Uh, I would absolutely love to have a. a a box fresh firefly. Uh, and if I was going to pick one toy, it would be the flag. I, I don't know where the hell I would put it, <laughs> but just the thought of taking my time and putting that thing together. Cause I love assembling things. I love putting toys together and, and just the idea of having a new flag to open up and put together is just, I would love it. It would be great. So going back to 1984, um, what are you guys' favorites from that year? And it's actually Scrap a little Iron. hard it's a little hard for me to say Firefly because Zartan came out that year too and he's one of my all time favorite action figures, but I, I just love Firefly. You said Scrap Iron?
2: Scrap Iron. He's definitely the one that got the most play out of me
0: as a kid, and the
2: fact that he was such a evil son of a bitch in the uh, Marvel Comics.
0: <laughs> well, and even in the cartoon. Yeah.
1: Well, I for I'm gonna go with Baroness. Oh, it's great, great, yeah. great toy. Yeah, she, yeah, great character. I, I she's right up there with Zartan. In that, as a kid, I always had an affinity for shapeshifters or people who disguise themselves because they can get into places. Um, and that was Baroness's role in in my playtime. So she could pretty much become any other Joe character,
2: and she's become so iconic over the years. Just when people think of GI Joe, outside of maybe Cobra Commander or Snake Eyes, people know the Baroness. Even though you know that she was a minor character, well, she was a very major character for the comics. But they didn't make a toy out of her for a couple of years. Um, and the sculpting on that figure, she's the most, uh, probably the best sculpted female figure in the Joe line. Uh, up until that point and probably of all time she's got the like the most she's the most feminine looking um just has like the best She's
1: not blocky.
2: Yeah, I, she's not I blocky. I don't know,
0: Lady J's got the the bip and the bop. Yeah, but Lady J's from
2: the big head problem that Scarlet and Covergirl also had.
0: Hey, we we are not <laughs> we don't judge people on the size of their heads around here at the Needless Things podcast, my friend. I'm just saying, there were some limits into
2: the sculpting of toys back in I, the early 1980s. As,
0: as somebody with a massive noggin that cannot fit into the Boba Fett helmet they just bought. I'm a little sensitive <laughs> about that. <laughs> ah, Well, Noel and Christian, uh, thank you so much for coming on, reminiscing about G.I. Joe. I said at the top of the show that we would each pick a costume that if we could have this one perfect cosplay costume just magically appear uh what would it be so instead of doing from the entire line which is my original idea now we're going to get to do this a couple of times because we'll do it on the next episode as well so from the characters we discussed today all the vehicle pilots all the characters is there one costume you could pick out and say you'd like to have this to wear wherever, not just conventions, just wear it to Walmart?
2: <laughs> Which apparently a lot of people are doing in our, in our uh, uh, unique time in history right now, wearing costumes to Walmart. Right. <clears throat> Does it have to be a, a toy that was produced, or it can be something from the media?
0: No, we've got we to stick with the toys, because we've, we've focused mostly on the toys tonight, so I think we've got to stick right. with the
1: toys. <laughs> For me, uh, out of the time frame that we are talking about, up through 85, I, I would go with the Hiss Tank driver, and what sealed the deal with that is when you mentioned going to Walmart. Cause I would love to wear that and go buy some <clears throat> underwear and monopoly games. Hey, and you get to wear a mask. Exactly which is recommended.
2: But <laughs> I was a masked character uh, and also a troop builder uh, because this is what I've actually laid out ideas for in the past of trying to build, build, but. I just don't know if I have the uh, the technical ability to do so. Uh, I want an eels costume. Oh man, that's that's uh, just such a beautiful, just that that bright, striking red on the chest, uh, you know, contrasting with the black and the gray, and that nice silver cobra emblem. Uh, and he's just it he just looks so perfect. Always one of my favorite figures.
0: Yeah, and it would be one. It would be a dream thing, like because the. To create an accurate one of those would be a lot of time and money, so that's that's a good choice. That's I'm looking at a couple that I'd love to have, but that I could probably make. So looking at things that would be that sort of dream costume, uh you know, Destro is one I always wanted, but the thought of wearing because my I wouldn't paint my head silver. I would want an <laughs> actual Destro mask and i would never want to wear anything like that uh i think i'd actually love to have a major blood oh uh, yes mm, because that arm would be like a realistic representation of that arm would be so freaking cool he's got the dog tags from his downed uh, downed foes he's got the body armor um he just looks scary. The eye patch that is it built into helmet? Is it separate? I don't know how that works. Uh, and then you could go around at conventions and read bad poetry to people. <laughs> yes. Absolutely. I'd have to find a couple of Vogons. We could team up yes. and just destroy everything. I'm glad you made the Vogon reference. Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> All right. Well, uh gents, we have covered as much as we can possibly cover tonight. At some point in the future we will cover uh Hopefully the rest, but maybe just the next few years, because there are some good years remaining in this line after 1985 that we'll get to. Uh, but until that time, do you have anything that you'd like to put over, uh, talk about what you're working on, or just where can we find you online? Uh, let's start with Noel, because I know you got a couple of things.
2: Uh, well, you can find me in a not-very-often-updated website uh, at dorkdroppings.com um... also as mentioned before i am a uh, a member of the finest which is a an international geocostuming group and what we do uh, is not just dress up and have fun and, and go get drunk conventions Um we also do a lot of really great stuff for charity uh... the charity that we've been working with for the last three years now is called canines for warriors um, They uh... pair uh... rescue dogs from kill shelters um, they pair them with uh... veterans who are suffering from either PTSD or uh, need service dogs for any other reason. Um, They're well they're highly vetted. They're based out of Jacksonville, Florida. They train the dogs, and they pair them up. Um, If you ever see us at a convention, uh, throw a few dollars our way. You can also just go and donate on our website. We've got an active charity campaign we've been running now for several years with that one organization. So um, anything you can do to help. Uh, There's a lot of perks that we do from time to time. We do calendars every now and then uh this year we did uh the coin the cobra money from the uh the from one episode of the gi joe cartoon uh as a perk for donating patches all kinds of stuff like that so you can you know you're a joe fan um and especially if veterans and animals mean something to you
0: then go out there and donate some money very cool and that's an awesome cause uh christian what are you up to online or just what's been holding your interest lately
1: Yeah, so um, you can find me on Flickr and Instagram under where I post action figure photography and 80s toys of all kinds. Yeah, I feel like like lately you've been really stepping your game up. Yeah, thank you, coronavirus.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I guess so. The one
1: one big thing to come from (laughs) not working is lots more time for photography and diorama building
0: creative endeavors that are going through the roof around here.
1: <laughs> well, awesome.
0: Thank you guys so much for coming on, and uh, we will be talking about G.I. Joe again sooner than later. Heck yeah. Awesome. So as you can probably hear, the decision was made in the last ten or so minutes of that conversation that we had to bring it home, and that the flag was a good place to stop. So... Uh, it worked out it's cool I'm really happy with it and I'm glad that it's left the door open for more G.I. Joe episodes in the future and And I do think we could do a whole episode just about vehicles uh, I do think there's a lot of potential for more G.I. Joe conversation and I like the idea of uh having one around the 4th of july to go up so that's probably what we're going to aim for with the 1986 and beyond episode so hope you guys enjoyed this uh please go and check out the finest go and check out legion cub on instagram he's been doing some really cool stuff uh and check out lasexoflex who provides the funky butt beats you're listening to right now Uh, lasexoflex.com you can find all of the music that they produced they're great, they're fun, but they're also very filthy. So if you are under 18, do not go check out laysexoflex.com Instead, go check out our friends, the Mystery Men. Uh, you can Google Mystery Men Surf Band. I think it's MysteryMenOfSurf.com. Find them on Facebook. Uh, great music that's appropriate for the whole family. Everyone from uh, baby to grandma, I guess you might say. What else is happening? Please go check out that YouTube channel. I'm very excited about this newish endeavor. I mean, it's new. I've, got, I've done videos up there in the past, but what I'm doing now is very different and I think uh, a better form of what I wanted from YouTube in the first place. Uh, I've gotten past the idea of me sitting at a, a desk with a camera pointed at me because that's not really what I wanna do with toy reviews. So there you go. Check out the YouTube, share the YouTube, review the podcast, join the Needless Things Podcast Facebook group. I love you guys. Thank you for listening to the Needless Things Podcast. You're the best. You can find the show on iTunes, Stitcher, Downcast, or in the ears of a Trader Vicks employee. Love you. Mean it. uh Uh-huh.